So this is a long overdue podcast. I think going back to 2020, and I'll introduce our guest our guest in a second, but Soph was one of the first people I interviewed for the podcast and I lost our recording. And I remember back then, I think it was a really like really quite a deep conversation that we did have. I don't remember the ins and outs of it now but I feel like it was a really like deep conversation and then I lost it and I was so like devastated. But I feel like since then, like three years later, we have gone through so much and I think this is the perfect time to be having this conversation right now because, I mean, literally a few days after I went through the worst breakup of my life. And it was a really, really tricky time. And, you know, you've recently gone through a breakup as well, four months post-breakup. And it's something that no one really talks about that openly. But you've been really vulnerable on your social media and showing your healing journey, which I think shows a lot of strength. And it can be so lonely going through a breakup and feeling like, no one understands this feeling that you're going through but it's something that every human being experiences but no one's talking about so I feel like this is a really important conversation. Um, So Fallon, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. I cannot even remember what we spoke about last time. Was it like the fitness industry or something or like the pressures of social media? Yeah, I don't even know but I feel like it was something really important well I mean it's lost for a reason (laughs) it's lost for a reason and now here we are and I really wanted to today go through you know what it is like going through a breakup and the healing and of course we're going to be like really respectful of of privacy as well um but a breakup you don't break in a breakup and and I feel like a lot of people it can either make or break you and what you do after the breakup is what really matters. So tell me, like, what what was it like? Like, you know, those first couple of weeks, like even the first couple of months, like what are the feelings that you were feeling and, and how did you like get through that initial phase? Because that's honestly the hardest part is just that initial phase. It, it feels like it feels like you just don't know how you're going to get through life in that yeah. first phase. The, the way I kind of explain that time is just emotional whiplash. Yeah. It's like it doesn't make sense and I think our brains are wired to make sense mm. of things and, and what's going on around us internally, externally and you're clutching at anything to try and come up with a reason for why this is happening, why I'm feeling this way. There's the whole like your whole future ahead of you that you had, whether you'd planned it or not, there's going to be some sort of idea of what's going to be happening with the life that you're planning with this person that's ripped out from under you. And then it looks, it makes you question a lot about yourself and your worth. And there's just this storm going on in your head that is also physically painful. Like Mm. I felt physically pained by what I was going through. Yeah. So it was, yeah, confusion, just deep sadness, uh, that deep yearning for what you think is going to make you feel better, which is them. Yeah. Um, and you, you so badly 
want to sort of go through it with them in a way. It's weird. It's like you're breaking up from this person, but you're so used to leaning on them and talking to them about any struggles or hardships you face, but they're the one person that you can't be talking to to get through this, at least if you're yeah. wanting to get through it as, as quickly as possible, yeah. in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, just deep sadness and confusion and fear. And I suppose you feel really alone in that because a lot of pretty much everyone in life is going to go through a breakup at some point. Some people don't, but everyone kind of knows that feeling of loss and grief and heartache. But unless they're in it kind of at the same time as you, I just don't feel like anyone understands. Like I, I was really fortunate to connect with people on Instagram who were going through a breakup at that same time, who Mm. I would talk to a lot and Mm. would sort of share feelings that we were going through that were really quite similar even though our situations or reasons for breaking up whatever were kind of different it was just nice to know that you weren't alone in that pain um even though you were you know they're not next to you crying and crying yourself to sleep at night um but they understand what it feels like whereas people who were even like a few months ahead of you in the process you're like oh I'm so jealous that you're like already starting to feel better like I just want to fast forward I don't want to feel this I just want to get to the point where I feel better yeah and it's like unfortunately that's not how yeah and it's almost like the more you resist that it's going to come up later anyway like the more you try and suppress your emotions your feelings like just like there are obviously distractions that are helpful to help you know the really hard times but the more you avoid those feelings and suppress them, they're just going to come up later. And, and it might not even come up as an emotion. It could come up in physically. Mm. Like it could come up as, you know, a sickness or like there's going to be some way that it's going to, you're going to have to face it mm. at some point. And I completely agree that it just feels, it feels like, you know, me as well like going through a recent breakup is like physical sickness like anxiety not wanting to eat oh, I didn't eat, yeah. you know some days better than others some days you're okay you're busy you're doing things other days it's just like it grips you yeah and it's like and the smallest thing will trigger the thought. some sort of thought or feeling and it's almost like you have no or less control over those thoughts running away and getting a hold of this whole story that it's painted in front of you about what he could be doing, who he could be with, like what this means, what his future is going to be, yours is going to be this like horrible, sad, lonely thing. And you're like, I'm never going to get over this. I'm stuck. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you get through it, but (laughs) that's what we're going to talk about today. I mean, that's one thing that helped me, I think, in my previous breakup was – you will get through it. Like people telling me you got this. Like that was the only thing that really helped anything. It was like, you've got this, you've got this, you've got this. And you were speaking before about all the thoughts and things that come into your mind. Like how could I have done things better? Blaming yourself for certain things. Maybe if I did this, then this would happen. And it's almost like there are like those seven stages of grief that you go through as well. Like despair and, and, and depression and and anger and denial and and bargaining (laughs) oh maybe if I did this Mm. yeah and then and then eventually you know you get to that acceptance phase do you feel like you're there yet yeah you do yeah yeah it's interesting because I think 
I was terrified. Like, I know none of us like experiencing pain. I think I'm a very pain averse kind of person when it comes to my relationships. Mm. So I think for me, breakups are one of the most terrifying things um, emotionally to go through. And Mm. I think part of me sort of knew, a big part of me knew the relationship was over long before it was, but I didn't have the courage to actually end it. Yeah. Um, And so I think because I had that knowledge, I was like, I know this is right. No part of me is going to try and bargain and try and make things work and and figure it out because I know deep down there's that voice that knows this isn't right. But I think back to like previous breakups where I was just a complete and utter mess and I wasn't very productive with my healing. And that's okay because you have to go through those to sort of figure out how to go through a breakup. But I think now that I... I'm in my 30s and I've done a lot of work on myself. I've gotten through this much better than I thought I would, but mm. I was terrified to go through a breakup. And here I am and I'm like, you know what? I as much as I don't want to do that again, mm. I know I could do that again. Yeah. Oh fuck. Like that's <laughs> yeah. That's huge cuz like I completely relate to breakups being like one of the most difficult things to go through in your life like it's, it's definitely been like a huge challenge for me and you yeah you saw me like we knew each other back when I was in that last relationship and you kind of you probably saw things on social media bits and pieces and it's very hard like you know when you do have a social presence and when you know people are watching your stories and they see your partner and then all of a sudden they're not there and they start asking questions and things like that and it is really difficult as well to you know, want to want to say certain things, but then also like keep certain things to yourself as well. And it's like, how much do I share? How much do I not share? You know, are people going to relate to this or are people just going to be like, you know, you feel so alone in that as well. And I think uh, it's almost like, you. yeah, you saw as I was going through that relationship, like that was a really a really long healing period for me. Like I even think that going through this breakup, I've done a lot of healing of that last breakup as well. And, you know, being in our 30s, it has been like knowing the things to do and knowing how to take care of yourself and knowing that you are going to be okay because if you can get through that, then you can get through anything. And you will end up okay in the end. So for anyone listening who is going through something, you are going to be okay. And we want to speak about some things that you can do that may help you along your journey. So what are some of the things that you did that you found were really helpful on your healing journey? Mm. Um, Just on that, I remember listening to podcasts in the early days and hearing people saying that you're going to be okay and just partly believing it but partly not and thinking no but my situation's different or like there's something something about my situation that makes this different in some way or another and I just want to remind you guys like I had the those exact same feelings and I am okay now so I just really want to drive that home that you you aren't okay now and Mm. that's okay it's it's it really is okay to be in pain and for however long that's going to last everyone's going to have a different amount of time that they grieve and heal and you might berate yourself for not feeling better quicker but try to be really compassionate with yourself because 
like you will eventually be okay like that is the one thing you can be sure of mm. and it just it doesn't feel like it right now but it will happen and one day you'll just sort of realize and be like oh that that thing doesn't sting as much anymore yeah um it is literally day by day yeah like it's one day moment at a by time. moment <laughs> oh 100 percent. yeah um so a few things that helped me um in the initial stages was uh, I would listen to a lot of, like consume a lot of content that was relating to breakups. Mm. For me, one of my processes for overcoming anything that's challenging is to understand and learn more. Mm. So I like to understand, you know, the stages of grief. I like to understand what's going on in the body and the brain Mm. when you're going through this. And and there are even some studies saying like taking Panadol can help because they saw the same um, pathways in your brain light up as physical pain. So taking some Panadol, like things like this, I'm like, I really find that interesting. And also just wanting to hear other people's stories to feel less alone. Yeah. so yeah, listening to podcasts, there are certain books that maybe we can put in the show notes that have helped me that I read, uh, just consuming sort of the literature. Um, I, I go to a therapist now I'm like once a month, but I was seeing one every fortnight sort of throughout the relationship as well. So she knew a lot of my history already. So it wasn't Mm. like, oh, I'm seeing a new therapist. I have to catch her up on my whole like about me it was like no I could have a session with her straight up and just cry to her and sort of get everything off my chest so therapy and talking uh friends so making sure even if it's just one friend even if you can just call them having that social interaction I'm quite an introverted person I typically prefer spending time on my own but my friends really saved me because I didn't really want to be alone as much so They'd cook for me because I wasn't eating. I felt so anxious I couldn't eat. And yeah. they would, they would <laughs> go to the pool with me when I didn't feel like working. Like I took a little bit of a step back from work because I was mm. like, my brain's not mm. working. Um, journaling. So you get really consumed by your thoughts. And I find for me, I, I'm already a journaler, but if I have something that's on my mind, I just I need to get it out on paper so it's sort of not ruminating too much in my mind. I still kept up. A routine as far as like trying to get up at the same time um, I didn't really spend time in bed crying there was one day that I spent in bed crying after someone had made a comment out that I knew and that just like set me off yeah. but yeah sticking to a routine where I was getting up um, side note not all this stuff like this stuff sounds really great but the first week my house was a mess. Like I was ordering food cause I wasn't going shopping. Yeah. I wasn't really cooking. If I was eating, it would be like something from Uber Eats. I wasn't putting rubbish away. I wasn't cleaning. Like my place was, a, I wasn't putting clothes away. I just couldn't function properly. Yeah. Um, and then I also, like six days after the breakup, had to get up in front of an audience of 100 people and do a presentation. Wow. So yeah. I was like, I have to keep going. Yeah. Um, but sometimes that stuff really, like, pushes you as well. Like, I remember in my previous breakup that I just had to keep showing up for my clients. And that honestly saved me. Like, that was probably one of the biggest things that really saved me and helped me was, like, I have a purpose still (laughs) almost because in my previous relationship I put so much energy into that other person and when that goes it's like where do you put your energy and it's like back into you it has to be back into you and back into your your purpose and 
for me that was like helping my clients through that. So during that time, like they almost, they, they probably don't even know how much they helped me during that time. What was it like end of, yeah, end of 2020, start of 2021. Like it's just something that you're so grateful that you have these things. Like I, I only started my business in 2020 during COVID. And so to have that and the timing of that is just something that can really help, you know, to put your energy back into rather than into that other person. Thinking about them, keeping them alive in your mind. Yeah. I think as well, it really, it depends on the relationship. Cause like you said, in, in your last relationship, the one before this one, mm. you put all of your, most of your energy into that relationship. Whereas mm. For mine, it was very, we were very independent people and Mm. I wasn't, I never felt like I had to sacrifice Mm. focusing on, you know, building my business or anything like that. So it was almost the reverse for me where I was like, I did have a lot of spare time and I was like, how am I going to fill this time? Because usually we would hang out. So it was less about, okay, focusing on the business and more about, okay, what, what are the hobbies and things that I actually do in my downtime? So I am now like obsessed with reading reading like fiction where I can just escape that's kind of my escape and I go into these little fiction like fantasy worlds I read so much through my breakup because I was like I just it's like one of those coping mechanisms it's probably Mm. partial avoidance but in a way it was something I needed when the pain was too yeah too much I definitely I mean my last breakup the pain the painful one like my previous one we can get to that but um well my most recent one I mean we can get to that but the last one I did everything wrong like everything you're saying I did like I tried to do but I could not like the journaling the meditation the um you know seeing friends I couldn't because it was COVID like seeing a therapist I did I did see a therapist nothing seemed to help for months I still did everything like I still did everything I was supposed to do I went to the gym I trained I I ate well but I didn't eat much because obviously the anxiety makes you feel sick and it doesn't make you want to eat but I did everything and it felt like nothing was working for months but having done that like this this most recent breakup it, it was actually quite a beautiful healing relationship and it wasn't anything bad through the breakup it was just a difference of um of lifestyles that just wasn't compatible and having those things has has made it a lot easier that is so interesting I feel like people would probably like to hear about that because I know people who message me in my dms are like nothing's helping and it's been four months whereas Mm. I'm at four months and I'm like I'm pretty good (laughs) yeah I'm mostly like you know well I think it probably has a lot to do with the relationship and then also a lot to do with like you were saying learning so with that relationship you know I didn't really have my purpose then like he was pretty much my purpose at that time because we were traveling together and I didn't I hadn't set up my business and all that kind of stuff and I also put that person on a pedestal, which yep. didn't help. Whereas my most recent relationship, it was it was actually just a really beautiful relationship and it was just a difference in, in values that um, that ended it. And, and also, you know, it was a bit more of a mutual thing rather than like the last one. It, it was just, it just, you know, 
(laughs) without going into like too much details it was a very toxic breakup and so what I had done over the past two years and what's changed is the learning things so I learned a lot about neuroscience like I work with a mentor who's a neuropsychologist and and knowing the nervous system like you were saying and knowing like the responses you know the pain responses that you were talking about our emotions and behaviors and feelings that definitely definitely helped um and so this time it was more so it was still learning but learning in a different way because I was blaming myself a lot for a lot of the things a lot of my behaviors that happened but I understood I started to understand where they came from and this time around I understood like the ego and things like that and the things that come up Mm. but this time it's more it is courses but it's like different courses and so I honestly find that breakups have actually been the times when I've up leveled the most in myself and my own personal development and even though they are like they can break you down so much beautiful things can come from it if you let it and so all these things that we're talking about like still do them they might not feel like they're helping but they will eventually all add up it's like a lot of other things in life where you're doing things but you don't see the result until months <laughs> maybe even years down the track as yeah. well and if so. you stop doing it you kind of notice so you might be like meditating yeah. every day and then you're like I don't really think this is doing anything and then you stop and you're like I feel a bit more agitated or anxious and you're like mm. there could be a relationship here you're just not getting that immediate sort of satisfaction or gratification where that we're so used to getting yeah. so it's more of a long game and I think people are really myself included so uncomfortable with pain that as soon as we feel any we're like how do I get rid of this I don't this is mm. yeah, nah. yeah I don't want to I don't want to deal with this yeah. I'm gonna numb it I'm gonna avoid it I'm just gonna cry and be like let it consume me and yeah. it's like okay try all those things yeah but maybe try a different thing where you're like okay I'm gonna try and like diffuse the pain this is something that like the my psychologist talks about where you're not trying to ignore the feeling or push it away you're not trying to rationalize or understand the feeling because she's like something I do a lot is trying to understand everything and it's like you don't always have to try and understand everything that comes up and it's sort of like kind of like mindfulness meditation you acknowledge that it's there you try not to latch onto it and then eventually it just sort of dissipates and you're like okay like that's just sitting in the discomfort of it all and that's really what a breakup is for like a period of time it's this like condensed painful period that gets less and less the more you go through it yeah and then eventually it's gone but I agree like the leveling up that comes from facing these hardships and going through these things and and almost remaking yourself because Mm. when you're in a relationship your identity is wrapped up in who you are with that person Mm. and then you remove that person and it's like it's it's just me now and Mm. there's a lot of freedom and empowerment in that but there's also a lot of fear and unknown and humans hate the unknown it's really uncomfortable but it gives you the power to choose like make all the decisions and choose what you're going to do so like for me you know I really got into my boxing and that's something that brings me so much joy and happiness I really got into my reading and you know, for a lot of people, they get to invest more time in their friendships or they start a business or they mm. travel or they, they just start doing more things. Like if you step back and 
look at people's journeys from breakup to healing, yeah, it's always such an inspiring story because you're like, oh, this person's actually glowing and they're doing all these things yeah. that they weren't doing before. And that's not to say your partner held you back. Yeah. It's just to say that now you're in a position where you're pushing yourself a bit more because you're not in your comfort zone as much. Yeah, it's almost like you increase your tolerance to certain things as well like in that first stage it's all about survival like you're in survival mode you're in that sympathetic state you're just like I just need to keep myself alive like you know you were saying uber eats like that's been me for the past two weeks it's just like uber eats because you're just not hungry and then all of a sudden you're hungry like if um you haven't gone shopping it's like oh where's the food but um it is it's like that survival mode those first it could be weeks it could be months and it's doing things that yeah there might be some things there that might not be necessarily productive but they're still serving you they're serving a purpose and as you begin to feel safer and as you begin to gain more self-trust then that's when you can start to implement the things and you notice the difference that they make and then you start to gain your shine back again and your glow and it it's the most liberating feeling sometimes when you're just like uh, one thing that I did that really helped was like blasting (laughs) Miley Cyrus the flowers we were talking about that before and just dancing like just dancing in the kitchen dancing around the house like moving your body and as well like boxing like you're just you're moving your body you're moving the energy that you have inside like it's this build-up of energy and it can really help to settle your nervous system just to move the energy around. And then gradually over time, like you were saying, you start to build up a resilience and a tolerance and you know that, okay, now I can see that things are going to be okay and I am going to be okay. And, you know, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to heal and eventually one day you're going to meet someone who potentially is just, you know, the person you were meant to meet he's hoping (laughs) you have and like with that you know there's it's not as simple as like okay you go through the worst of it and then you're okay there's so much in between where you have hope and you're like oh my god I feel good like I remember there were moments through the breakup because I tried to document it where I would be dancing and I felt so liberated empowered and free mm. and then the next day I was like I don't want to get out of bed yeah and I was like I thought I was getting better and yeah you're like you are getting better you're just not it's not a linear journey like anything like you could relate that back to fitness yeah exactly and the same same goes for um yeah like just I I really lost my train of thought then (laughs) but um yeah the the lack of linearity it's you just there's so many ups and downs and the same goes for like having hope and thinking that you're going to be better and you're like have these really clear moments of everything's going to be okay like this is meant to be and then the next day it's just not and something we didn't touch on with the like whole um what do you do afterwards is there's so much stuff on tiktok actually yeah i loved tiktok for this because so many people share their breakup journeys and that made me feel less alone but there's so much bullshit out there as well where it's like how to get him back like no contact and you're just like why yeah let's talk about that no contact (laughs) thing like what are your thoughts on that like this will be a really interesting conversation yeah I think 
it's so easy to tell people don't contact them Mm. and in practice that is so much harder Mm. I think it depends on so many things it depends on the nature of the relationship the nature of the breakup Mm. the nature of you as a person like what your needs are to heal Mm. and what you sort of feel like you're lacking how independent like codependent independent you were in the relationship what support networks you have Mm. because if they're your only support person of course you're going to want to reach out to them I just think Mm. people can feel really shamed for doing things that people say don't do this don't do that like it's too black and white yeah personally no contact was the way for me because I know my side I'm a very stubborn person for one um and I was like I I know that I understand that if I speak to him now, I might feel good in the short term, Mm. but it'll make me feel worse. And then I'll get into the habit of of talking to him. I also know that it opens you up for the potential to feel worse because you mightn't get what you're wanting to get out of it. So if you're contacting them and thinking, oh, you know, maybe they'll want me back or they'll they'll say something that'll make me think that they want me back and I'll read into all the in-betweens and then you end up feeling worse or better or it gives you hope. So... I would say if you're really wanting to get over this person, no contact is probably the best way to do it, but mm. it's also not the only way. It's not an essential thing to do. Yeah. And maybe talking to them and getting to that point where you just completely break each other apart is the point, like the lesson yeah. you need to learn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm still yet to maybe learn that lesson, but um, I completely agree. So yeah, in my last relationship, it was very much like, it had it had to be no contact like the circumstances of the breakup was no contact like and he wasn't ever going to contact me with what was going on but this this time around I didn't want to do no contact like well we we agreed that it would be like we wouldn't speak to each other but we agreed we weren't going to do the whole blocking thing Like, you know how sometimes it's like, just block this person, delete all the photos and like all that kind of stuff. Um, I knew that where he was as well, like he needed support and if he needed support, then I was there for him. Um, And I, because it wasn't like a toxic breakup, it was like, I don't feel the need to block you Mm. because you know, whatever, you know, I'm not going to watch your stories and I'm not going to like, um, you know, go on your profile and things like that, then it's, it's like, it doesn't feel like it's that hard, like, I'm losing this person completely. You know what I mean? Like, we shared such beautiful memories and things like that together. And, you know, I don't want it to be like, the blocking thing is is just it just seems so definite but in some cases that's definitely needed and it has to happen as well so it it totally is dependent on the circumstance and you said something before about you know blaming yourself and and (laughs) feeling shame and all these like low frequency emotions and vibrations and things like that that's one thing that on your healing journey I think is probably the most important is to have compassion for yourself no matter what you're feeling no matter what you're going through no matter how you're coping is having compassion for yourself because 
that's what's helping you get through in that moment and not not judging it and not blaming yourself for the way that you're handling it because that's only going to suppress certain things as well. Yeah, and I think those feelings that do come up, shame and everything, guilt, whatever it might be, can give you really insightful information about how you work, how you operate, what you think about yourself. And then you can use that to dive into it and be like, why do I you know, feel shame around this certain thing? Is there something I can look at that mm. makes more sense there? So even though they're yuck feelings you might want to feel, it's like, yeah, yeah just being like, cool, I'm human. Everyone feels Everyone. like this at some point. Everyone yeah. goes through a myriad of emotions. Like I remember when, you know, at the start of the breakup, I would see, I think we spoke about this on Instagram, I would see couples and be like, I, ha- I hate you because I'm so jealous because Mm. I'm so sad that I'm not in a happy relationship Mm. and I remember like talking to a friend about this she's like same I hate couples I hate happy couples not because like I don't think people deserve to be happy but in that headspace I was like I'm a terrible person like Mm. other people's happiness is making me sad and that was just you know early stages now I see it and I'm like okay that now gives me hope instead of sadness yeah well like that is like that's a huge neuroscience thing and you know I'm a nerd for (laughs) neuroscience and the science stuff even though like we were speaking speaking off air about like the spiritual journey of it all as well it's such a like a duality of like science and spirituality and like all of it but those those are triggers right and like a trigger could be anything. It doesn't necessarily have to be like the happy couple. It could be someone's success or someone's like, you know, perceived success or amount of money or what they have or what they don't have or whatever it is. And a trigger is just information and a, and a opportunity and a, and a mirror for you to look at yourself and be like, okay, it's because I want that. Mm. Or it's maybe because I have that 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 triggers you whereas it's a part of yourself that you've suppressed kind of thing as well and so in saying that if there is a trigger the only way that you can start to like you said become more compassionate towards those things and have that that give you hope is if you are actually compassionate towards those parts of yourself those parts that want that happy relationship, the parts that want the success or that want to be a certain way and and see something. So if anything, like triggers can tell you a lot about yourself and a lot of people get triggered by things on social media and I can see it now. It's like, yeah, but where's that in you kind of thing. And it's such a beautiful thing when you can accept those parts of yourself because then, like you said, it, it starts to expand you. It starts to give you hope and it starts to show you that these things are possible, Mm. right? Like it could be, you know, you see someone on social media and they have like all the things like the house, the car, the success, the business, whatever it is. And some people will be triggered by that Mm. and they'll be like, oh, well, like it's easy for her or like, you know, she she has a a good following and, and all these things. And it's like, but that's just a reflection of of you, of the parts of that you've suppressed in yourself. Mm. And so being able to recognize that, have compassion for it, it starts to be something that will help you level up and grow and evolve. And you can be expanded by that. And I always love seeing people who are expanded by what's possible because it's if it's evidence for them, it's evidence for you as well. And so (laughs) the happy couples and the people with the amazing relationships, you know, it does give hope that there is that out there. 
Yeah. For everyone. Us included. I think think when you come from a place of compassion for yourself and others too, that's really a birthplace for growth and change. Whereas if you come at it from a place of like, yeah, like, oh, that's easy for them or like denying yourself even those wants and needs because you just so don't believe it could ever happen for you Mm. or people who push themselves from a place of self-hatred mm. are less likely to sort of hold on to those results if they get there or actually get there in the end because that's the headspace they're coming from. Well, the brain doesn't know the difference between like wanting something and not wanting something. So like if you see something and you're like, I don't want that, you're still going to focus on it. Mm. Like if I say don't think of an elephant, you're going to think of an elephant. And so the brain can't tell the difference. And when we're talking about avoiding pain, human beings, like pain is an amazing motivator. And human beings, like our whole life is spent either avoiding pain or chasing pleasure. So if we're avoiding our feelings and avoiding the pain, then it's only going to come back later, like we were saying before. But if we focus on the pleasure... If we focus on not trying to numb the pain, like we're not trying to avoid the pain, but we're trying to get into more of a state of pleasure, do things that we love, do things that light us up, go for a walk along the beach, get a coffee for yourself, go see a movie, take yourself on a date, journal, meditate, all these things that can help, then we move to more towards this pleasurable state where we don't have to actually avoid the pain. We can sit with both because everything in life is on this spectrum of duality and you can't actually experience happiness and bliss and joy and all the positive emotions without having experienced the pain the depression you know the shame the blame all of those because it's all along a spectrum and if you sit in the middle you numb yourself to both so if you sit and you try to numb yourself to the pain you're going to numb yourself to the happiness as well Mm. and then you won't feel anything and that's not a way that I necessarily want to experience life. That's Yeah, I love that so much. I think a lot of people who do try and numb and avoid pain might understand how it's coming out in themselves. And like you said, it could manifest itself in some kind of physical pain or ailment or whatever it might be. Mm. But it can also come up in your future relationships. So I know a lot of people who, or even just men that I've dated or been with before, who are avoidant and who don't feel comfortable going into their pain or their past or anything like that, we have quite shallow base level relationships that lack the depth that I'm looking for. Personally, Mm. this mightn't be for everyone, but I know that I want a really deep relationship where we can talk about these things and explore these things. And Mm. if someone has a block or a numbness or an avoidance characteristic, then you're not going to get to that level. And it's not that they don't want those things too Mm. obviously not everyone wants this but it's not that they don't want those things I think everyone wants to be loved and feel love and give love but there is so much fear and shame around it that prevents them from being able to step into that and that's really Mm. sad in itself like I'm an anxious person I feel a lot I express my feelings and I work to understand them but I would so much rather be that way than avoiding and blocking myself from all of the array of emotions that we feel as humans. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting because it's true. Like avoidance, they want the same thing as the anxious do. Yeah. 
but they just they're fearful of it and they they do try to avoid the feelings whereas the anxious will overexpress the feelings and this is something that happens over life like from our primary relationships with our parents like all the way back there you know we experience whatever it is as we grow up like our parents aren't perfect as we always thought they they were and they're only just doing their best as well but whatever happens throughout life like we've learned to either suppress our emotions because we were made wrong or bad for them you know a a lot of males especially will find it difficult to express their emotions because it's not manly or it's uh, weak to show your emotions and it's weak to cry and it's like weak to do all these things and so then therefore they'll suppress those parts of themselves whereas in certain situations expressing certain parts has gotten us love and validation as well and so it's this like mix of where are we and 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 how do we express but how can we come back to taking responsibility for our own things right whatever has happened to us in our life is not our fault but it's our responsibility and so when we have this information and you know we were speaking about putting some some books in the show notes like attached is a really great one to learn your attachment style to learn the five love languages like learning these things learning how you can give and receive love um one that i'm reading right now is jay shetty's eight rules of love as well and um this one i just happened to come across was the mastery of love which is a really great one it's got all these little short stories of how You know, your happiness is your responsibility. Your partner's happiness is their responsibility. And you come together as a whole and you share that happiness. It's not like happiness can't be in the hands of someone else. Because that's really super dangerous if you give your power away to someone else and say you're responsible for my happiness. And when we are looking at relationship dynamics, a relationship dynamic can change through just one person changing. If, say, someone is avoidant and then, you know, the other person is showing, well, I can be this certain way and I'm happy and I can be secure and all these things, then that can help them open them up a bit. You can't go to them and be like, you need to be less avoidant because that's a response that they've learned to survive because that's what the nervous system does right it only keeps us survive so they actually have to feel safe enough to be able to open up and creating that safe environment can start from one person and it's just so beautiful to learn and know all these things in hindsight as well because things may have been different but it's all led you and it's all leading you to where you're meant to be I always find that you know the timing is perfect and it's all it's all meant to be for a reason and just trusting that I think is a huge piece of this whole journey. Trusting it's hard. It's really hard, especially when you, I know I became obsessed with, you know, attached and reading these books and understanding all these things. And it it made me feel frustrated because I'm like, why couldn't 
my ex have, you know, been open to thinking this way or opening up this way or this is so him and you get really frustrated with it. Yeah. <laughs> but now I'm at the point four months down the track where I'm like, oh, my God, I cannot read another book on relationships. I'm so sick of thinking 20, about it. 2020 <laughs> hindsight, right? But, yeah, yeah, it's, it's an interesting kind of process and you learn so much um, and I think it is important to try and harness the learnings to be more so about yourself and less so about like there's an element of of understanding what happened in the relationship and using that to be like cool mistakes I don't want to make in the next relationship are xyz or this Mm. is how I want to show up but really using that time to focus on you because they're not your responsibility and Mm. that was a really hard shift for me to make because I was like oh if only he he knew this about it or like understood this and you're like no 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 that's that's not helping you because your yeah. healing is about you and, it, and it, it has nothing to do with them and what they're doing and how their healing is going to look different to what you're doing and how you're healing. Yeah. And that can be really hard to reconcile because you're like, don't mm. understand why someone would heal differently to you. Like for me, going out, partying, drinking would be the worst thing for me to do because yeah. it would just make me feel worse. Whereas some people like to do that to numb and that's yeah. how they you know, feel good or for, for whatever reasons and it can be hard to understand. So yeah. it's like, don't try. And, and sort of going back to your whole like Instagram blocking thing, I think if you're someone who is at risk of going onto their page, looking at their stories, coming up with stories and that gets in the way of your healing, then mm. it's probably a good case for blocking them. But mm. if you are you know, you see one thing on their stories and it's like, oh my God, I'm now like spiraling and coming up with all these stories. Whereas if you are like, for me, I'm lucky because my ex doesn't have social media, so he can't see what I'm doing and I don't have any way of seeing what he's doing. Um, And I think that's been really helpful because the more they live in your mind or on your phone, the more that pain stays and is still alive. Whereas Mm. it's time to start creating your new life that doesn't include them at least in the way that it had for Mm -hmm. most you know some people do get back together whatever but I don't think going into the breakup with that as the goal should be there the goal should be what can I do to become a better version of myself and heal myself and be that person for myself because at the end of the day Mm. even if you are in a relationship we can't rely on the other person like you were saying for your happiness or to fix all your problems or to fill all your needs like yeah they're there to complement your life and to fill some of your needs mm. but there's not one person in our lives who can or should fulfill every single need and we need to know who we can go to for those things there's going to be things our partners do our parents do our family our friends our therapists and ourselves and whatever other support or things that you you gain from you know, filling your cup from other things, Mm. that's also important too. And I think that was a good lesson for me to have towards the end of of the relationship and going into the next phase, which is being single. And also I think as well, you know, going into the next relationship, even when you do all this work, like going into the next relationship, it's not going to be smooth sailing oh, like you think is gonna <laughs> like you think it's gonna be right yeah. like there's there's still going to be things that because in a way it's it's easy to be single like yeah. it's easy to be alone because the triggers don't come there. up they're not a mirror <laughs> for you yeah like relationships can be huge mirrors for you and like you can have relationships where you know they go really nicely because everybody's feeding into each other's ego and everybody's playing their roles and things like that. But then there can be these relationships where you just like 
butt heads where it's like you, they're actually a mirror for you. Like if you're getting triggered and triggered and triggered, they're actually a mirror for you to like look at yourself and be like, what parts of me have I been suppressing or that are unhealed in me that I'm not recognizing as well? And the only way that you can overcome them is through connection, right? So being single, you know, amazing, like being happy alone, but then also things are going to come up. We've got a puppy here. Things are going to come up where even in the next relationship, you're going to be triggered. But it's having the tools to be able to not ever avoid conflict because conflict is going to happen. We're human beings. But to recognize how to together, come together and to solve those problems. Yeah. That's everything I've sort of looked at with my learnings and and stuff from reading and um you, do you know the Gottmans yeah, yeah, yeah. Institute. yeah yeah so like listen they've got a really great podcast they did with Esther Perel no it was Brene Brown yeah. and that was really interesting and a lot of the studies show the relationships that last or that are quote-unquote successful aren't necessarily the ones that don't have conflict it's the ones with the couples know how to repair yeah and I think that's really important when you're looking for a partner having someone who's willing to have those conversations with you mm. is is really important and that's why people are like oh communication is so important but it's like the type of communication because mm. we'll all have different styles of communicating mm. but yeah having that ability to come back together and repair and it's funny I, I was like to my therapist well we may as well drop our sessions back to once a month because there are not as many triggers happening right now and I want to keep working on this stuff and I know it's all there but like before I got into this relationship I was like oh, I think I'm pretty good. Like, I'm going to be so solid in, in my next relationship. I've done all this work. And oh then you get there God. and you're like, trigger, trigger, <laughs> trigger, trigger. And you're like, how do I deal with this? And then you talk about it and then you feel more confused and you're like, hang on, this isn't the way it was meant to be. And it's sort of like, okay, that's going to keep happening. So use this time when you're not in a relationship to sort of get really solid in yourself and trust yourself and know your triggers as best you can mm. without having that person to bring them up. Because they don't go away, like – they're pr- probably always going to be there. It's, it's a just lifelong. how you deal with them. It's definitely like a lifelong process yeah. because they've been so programmed in from such a young age yeah. and the route to that is awareness and that's why the learning is so important and the understanding is so important because awareness is how you can start to choose differently. So even if the trigger comes up, it's not shaming or blaming and being like, oh, fuck, I did that again. It's like having compassion again for yourself and being like, okay, like I notice it a little bit sooner now, like before I didn't even notice it at all. Like you even catch yourself when you say I'm not that or I don't do that because you probably likely do. But it's a part of yourself that you've shamed and blamed so much that you – you just don't even believe you're that thing. Mm. And so when you start to bring awareness, you know, it might be, oh, at the end of the day when the head hits the pillow, it's like, oh, wow, like that was that thing coming up. And then maybe it's like straight after the thing happened and then you're like, okay, oh my God, I'm sorry. Like I realize what I've done. And then it's maybe while it's happening and even you still play it out even though you're consciously aware of it. Mm. And then over time, the more aware you are, sometimes you can catch yourself beforehand and then you're like, I'm about to 
to do this, but I'm going to choose differently. Yeah, give and me a circuit breaker. I need to walk away for two seconds, catch a breath, and then come back with a clear head. And that is so powerful. Yeah. And that is lifelong work. Yeah. And we are all human beings. We all experience emotions. We all experience, you know, certain behaviors that we don't like in ourselves. And learning and doing the work, whether you're in relationship or single, it is a lifelong process and it is something that is going to absolutely change your life because it, it could heal maybe not just like an intimate or a romantic relationship, but it could heal a relationship with your parents or with friends or with clients even mm. as well. Like a lot of the people listening to this podcast are probably coaches seeing where your clients are triggering you what are your clients doing that's triggering you where in your life is that maybe playing out or maybe you've suppressed that part of yourself Mm. as well is super important so is there anything else that you would like to say before we wrap this up is there anything any other advice you could give someone who's going through a really tough time it feels like you know the world is ending and they might not necessarily get through Oh, just I'm so sorry if that's where you are right now because it's so painful and no one escapes that pain. There's not something that you should or could be doing to make this different. You're not deserving of that pain. It's not there to sort of say you're a good or bad person or this relationship ended because of you being a terrible person. Whatever its reasons are, it's, it's really hard. These, these things that we go through are terribly hard and scary, but it, it does eventually, with time, improve. Mm. It doesn't necessarily get better in a week or a month or four months. Try not to put a time frame on your oh, healing. That was, that was my mistake. I was like, oh, yeah, like four months I'll be fine. And yeah. then it was like two years. <laughs> yeah, and then you're like, why am I still stuck? And then you put that pressure on yourself. Yeah. So it's like... You mightn't be better after that amount of time. Try not to compare your healing to someone else's, but just keep moving forward. Mm. And whatever that looks like, big or small, even if that's lying in bed and crying for the day, mm. it's also okay. Like mm. you're you're doing your best and you will look back and be like, oh my God, I made it. And that's going to build that self-trust and ability to do bigger and better things with your life. But for now, just whatever you need to do to get through do that and and don't make yourself feel bad for it and I'm just I'm really feeling for you and I'm so sorry that this has happened Mm. and eventually you'll you will see it as dare I say it a blessing yeah um, down the line I feel that yeah yeah I feel so much compassion in your voice for you I know it's like something that both of us have really found difficult uh, to get through and it really is hard like it is so hard and just know that there are people out there that can support you people want to support you mm. as well I think that was one thing for me in my really difficult one was I don't want to burden people with this thing that I'm going through and people want to help People want to help support you. So reach out and and let them, let them be that support for you because ultimately 
connection is all that we're looking for mm. as human beings. And so just be kind to everyone, you know, be a good person, heal so that, you know, the next time it's not going to be potentially as hard or, or you know, you're not hurting others in the process as well. And, yeah, I think that was a really powerful conversation and something that, you know, a lot of people may need to hear where wherever you are and can probably resonate with as well. So I really appreciate you sharing and coming on the podcast and being so open and vulnerable and strong on your stories and just being you. Thanks. Back at you. Thanks. <laughs> so if you want to follow Soph, see her beautiful healing journey as well as the next moves that she's going to make, you can follow her Sophie Allen mm-hmm. or at Sophie Allen on Instagram. And you got t- uh, TikTok's not something that I've ever like been on a podcast and be like, what's your TikTok? But what's your TikTok? Same. Same. Okay. Makes sense. Easy. Perfect. And any other places that people can find you? It's all there. Awesome. They'll find links in bio, etc. Amazing. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much, beautiful Soph, for chatting with me in Melbourne. And I am so glad that we did this podcast finally Same. after three years. I, I feel like saved. <laughs> I feel like there was so much more that came out is. of this one. I don't even remember what was in the last one, but <laughs> I think this would be a really valuable resource for a lot of people. So thank you. I hope so. thank you for listening to the awpt podcast if you enjoyed this episode don't forget to share it with your friends and fellow coaches and subscribe for weekly episodes and content